0: If you'd like, turn into your bulletin to this insert, and you'll find some of the passages that we'll be looking at through today. Some churches struggled with getting together today on Christmas, and I thought to myself, what better day to celebrate the birth of Jesus than on the day that we celebrate every week the resurrection of Jesus, and to do it with our forever family that we'll be doing this into all eternity. So I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad to be here to worship our God together, to hear from His Word, as we do every week, to glean from His Word. And this bit of a topical, textual sermon for me is kind of an amazing treat. I'm always scheduled to preach the the Sunday after Advent. In my 25 years in ministry, I've never preached an Advent sermon. So with Christmas falling on today... I had the choice, do I go back to my series in James, or is it bonus round time? And you've completed all the levels, and now this is the bonus level that you are on, kids. You get to, you get to hear another gift of Christmas. Pastor Tony has been tra- taking us through in this Advent series the picture of a, of a beautiful diamond that needs to be looked at and examined from all different perspectives different angles, different views. It's against this dark background of the world around us that Jesus has come in, and He's the most beautiful diamond. He's the most beautiful gift of Christmas. And as we've been looking at the gifts of Christmas, Pastor Tony has brought us to passages of Scripture that show Jesus as our forgiveness, the adoption that we have as a gift, the true riches that are ours in Christ. And last week, we saw that Jesus is the true light, the true light that has come into this world. Now, this morning, I want us to open another gift, a bonus gift, and it's the gift of peace, true peace, not like the world gives, but the way that Jesus Christ alone can be peace, our peace. The prophecy here in, Matthew, in Micah chapter 5 dates back some 700 years before Jesus comes onto the scene. And I want to read that prophecy from Micah 5, and in addition, Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. So follow along as I read, this is the Word of God, the inspired, inerrant, infallible Word. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. He shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. The prophet Isaiah of the Lord of hosts, will do this. Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much that we have the opportunity to sit under Your Word. We are not over Your Word, bringing our thoughts and our intentions and our reading into it. But Lord, we sit under Your Holy Word. And as we hear from You, Lord, I pray that You would give us ears to hear and eyes to see the truth of Your Word. And Lord, that You would give us hearts to obey to live for You. Lord, we thank You that by the work of Jesus You have sent Your Spirit into our hearts so that we can cry out, Abba, Father. That in our adoption, we can cry to You, our true Father in heaven. And that we can receive the riches of Your Word here before us. Lord, Your Word is more precious to us than gold or silver, than anything that this earth can offer to us. And so, Lord, we want to hear from You. We want to learn from You. We want to leave this place changed because of you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the message of Christmas that this world finds so wonderful is peace on earth. And honestly, I think that idea of peace is something that God has really hardwired into us. The Old Testament term shalom means peace or wholeness or completeness. And reine in Greek has this same concept of, of harmony, of fitting together. And it fits with the way that God made us from the very beginning. God created Adam and Eve and they were divi- designed for peace with God and peace with each other, and peace with the world that God had made for them. The problem came is when they fell prey to the one who would deceive, who would twist, who would lie, that serpent of old, and he would tell them a lie, that they could exchange peace with God for being God that they don't have to submit to the one that made them and created them and designed them to be at peace with each other and everything around them, but that they could, in a sense, be ruler over God. And this had disastrous results. It obliterated by their sin and rebellion and resulted in war. They were at war with themselves. There was, there was this inner war of guilt and shame. They hid. They couldn't be in the presence of God because they had that inner battle going on. They had selfishness and between one another, there was this desire to, to rule over one another, to be in charge in their marriage, and Adam and Eve felt the, the conflict between them grow. They were at war with the creation now, that as this ground is cursed, the ground that was supposed to yield its fruit in its season was now full of thorns and weeds, and they would, by the sweat of their brow, have to fight to to grow crops and to sustain themselves. You know, they worked, and they slaved. They battled with the ground. They battled with one another. They even battled against God. And that was passed on to the very next generation where Cain and Abel, the first murder that took place, peace quickly unraveled and war became what every man and woman born into this world comes by naturally. But we see that This struggle continues on. This struggle is real for us today. It wasn't just them in the garden that experienced this turmoil, this conflict. We're we're in the midst of that today in our world right now. We see wars and rumors of wars. We see nations battling against nations. We see hardship and despair and hurt and pain. And the battles seem to be all around us. But the primary Conflict that must be settled for every single person isn't primarily without. It's, it's primarily within, and it's with our God and our Creator who made us. We have to resolve that battle against, against our God, against our Creator. And this morning, we'll see from God's Word the, the central message of God's Word to restore this peace with God, to resolve this primary conflict that we have in our lives. This message of Christmas is only found in Jesus Christ, and it's simply this. When we receive the true gift of peace, our lives will never be the same. Everything changes when we receive that gift of peace. That peace is given to us so wonderfully. And as I've been preparing and and looking at the nativity stories and uh, the accounts in Matthew and Mark and Luke, I was drawn in the book of Luke to the ways in which Luke speaks about peace and the way that He interweaves peace into the story of Jesus' birth. I want us to examine how Jesus gives peace graciously. And as we look at Luke chapter 2, in verses 13 and 14, we see how this peace comes by God's grace. It says in Luke 2, 13 and 14, it's there in your bulletin, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. Now, I grew up in a church where we had the King James Version of the Bible, and at our nativity pageant, we had to all recite those lines from the very youngest of age in the King James Version. And so I stumble and mix up my words almost every time when I come to some of the more modern translations of this verse 14, because I'm used to reading, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. But, you know, I'm really thankful for the textual criticism that has put together some of the more ancient manuscripts to demonstrate for us the wording of this is, is actually better translated as it is in the ESV and the New American Standard, even the NIV, peace among those with whom He is pleased. I guess I had this impression that it was peace and goodwill towards men, that we want everybody to get along, don't we? And when we have peace that God gives us, then we'll get along with everybody else. But what's very interesting is how the meaning seems to be that at the birth of our Savior, God's peace rests on those whom He has chosen in accord with His good pleasure, those who He has called out from the darkness into the light, those with whom He is pleased is those are those who He has chosen to show His peace to. Because let's be honest, not everyone knows God's peace. There are those with whom He has pleased in His own good will to deliver some out of that estate of sin and misery and to bring them uh, into a state of salvation by that Redeemer, Jesus Christ. But this is out of his mere good pleasure. And his good pleasure being extended to us, that's grace. You see, we live in a world that functions by works. How do I earn? How do I get? How do I accomplish for myself what I need in this life? And if we think that we can earn peace with God by somehow our good deeds meriting his favor, we've got it all wrong. You know, good people get God's favor. Good people get God's peace. And that's not at all the message of Scripture. The message of Scripture is none of us are good, no, not one. Even our righteous acts are like filthy rags before God. We have all turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. You see, that peace with God doesn't come with us being favorably liked by God because of something we've merited, something we've done It's all by His grace and favor towards us. We have peace with God, as Paul says in Romans 5, because we've been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we've obtained by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. This this is peace with God. This is peace. This is positional peace that we are granted completely by god 's favor and grace given to us as a gift, and when God gives us that gift of peace with him, it changes everything it changes everything about how you live in light of a relationship with God, a relationship that had been estranged, even though it had been intended to be forever, a, a relationship that is is one of battling and fighting for my rights, my desires, my will. I mean, Because we naturally will pray, Lord, let my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But by His grace, God transforms us. And when we're at peace with Him, we're at peace with His plan for our lives. We're at peace with His will being done and His rulership and His kingship over ours. Because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Isaiah says that Jesus is this wonderful counselor, a mighty god, an everlasting father. He is in fact the prince of peace. You know, sometimes we get this warm cuddly feeling during uh, especially Christmas time because Jesus is in a manger, what a beautiful sight and what a what a lovely and meek entry into the world and that's true. But the context of Isaiah 9 is battle. It's warfare, and it's going to take a prince that brings peace by force. He is going to rule. He is going to conquer. He's going to defeat all of his and our enemies. The real king, the true king, is going to bring peace by his warfare, and he does battle against sin and death to bring us peace. Where did that battle take place? It took a place on the cross. In Colossians 1.20, it says, We are reconciled to Him through and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace through the blood of the cross. Peace doesn't come any other way than God sent His Son to be our substitute, to pay for our sins on that cross. And the blood that He shed is what purchased our forgiveness and what made us to be at peace with Him. Reconciliation produces the restoration of a relationship of peace. And this peace was disturbed from the very Garden of Eden. And the peace that God intended to bring, He brought through the cross of Calvary. But it was going to cost Him dearly. It was going to cost Him the life of His own Son, so that we could know peace. Peace that God gives us graciously. And because God has established that peace with Him through Christ by the blood of the cross, everything about your life is different. Everything about the way you live your life is different. The way of peace is now available to you. And I think of the words of Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, whose mouth was shut for a time. When his wife was pregnant and the angel told him, you're going to have this, this baby, his name is going to be John, God sealed up Zechariah's lips until he could finally speak. When the angel reveals to him about this special son that he gave, at the end of Luke, Luke 1 verse 79, the angels say to Zechariah that this Messiah was to give light To those who sit in darkness, in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace, that way of shalom that throughout the Old Testament had been portrayed but had never been attained, the peace of living in the promised land, the peace of safe and secure borders, none of that was a final peace that would come. But the way of peace Jesus came to show. This peace that we can have is an, is an experiential peace as we walk in the paths of peace. The problem is we, we came into this world not following that path of peace. In fact, walking in a different direction, Romans 3 says that our feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery and the way of peace they've not known. You see, that, that way of peace is foreign to us when we come into this world, but it becomes known to us when that relationship is established. From that positional peace, experiential peace flows, and we can have peace with one another. I mean, that's, you've already done the sermon illus- uh, application when we had the passing of the peace, because when we hear that in Christ your sins are forgiven, that transforms everything about the way that you can relate to one another. You can have peace with others because they've been reconciled to Christ as well. This peace and experiential peace, this peace of mind, the peace of God, as Paul says in Philippians 4, that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's the kind of peace that can transform the way you experience life. Just because you're a Christian, just because you have a relationship with God through Christ, doesn't mean that all the troubles go away. It doesn't mean that you have a wonderful life and that everything is set right. No matter what the Hallmark movies show, no matter what the uh, ads in Christmas time portray, the beautiful, serene Christmases that we see in the advertisements, they are not the everyday life and experience for us, are they? There's still tor- turmoil, there's relational conflict. There's inner dispeace that we have. But Jesus comes, and when we experience his closeness, when the King of Peace comes, the God of Peace reigns, your life is changed. I love what John Calvin says. He says, When we're inwardly tossed with various tempests, when Satan attempts to disturb our consciences, let us remember that Christ is the Prince of Peace. And that it's easy for him to quickly allay all our uneasy feelings. Those feelings of dispeace that seem so strong, they're nothing for Jesus. He can quickly calm our hearts. As Philippians 4 disca- describes, uh, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, Rejoice, the Lord is at hand. He says, let your reasonableness be known to all. The Lord is at hand. And when we recognize the closeness of the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, it doesn't matter what dangers, troubles, temptations, difficulties are out there. The Prince of Peace rules in your hearts. Don't be anxious for anything. But in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the God, the God of peace, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You can face difficulties in this life, struggles, temptations to worry, to be anxious, because God is your peace. And you know, that peace is a testimony to the watching world around us. I love how Paul Tripp describes this peace that we can have as Christians. He says, I'm deeply persuaded that real, lasting, personal rest of heart is never to be found in the ease of circumstances. Even in the best situations in this fallen world, your heart will be able to find reasons to worry. Inner rest of soul and lasting peace of heart are only ever found when Jesus and His kingdom are your highest and deepest treasures, when you place your identity in His never-changing hands, when you find your meaning and purpose in the unstoppable work of His kingdom, and when you place your inner sense of well-being on the sure foundation of His promise to meet you and your need, every need, you'll be able to rest even when the situations, the relationships around you are still broken. I'd love to say that when you are a follower of Jesus, all your relationships get fixed and all of your circumstances get better. But that's not a promise that Jesus ever gave us. But he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will be with you. My peace will come with you. Jesus says, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives you. He gives us peace to face life's circumstances and guides us in the way of peace. Finally, we learn from Simeon that Jesus lets His servants depart in peace. What a beautiful time in the history of all of redemption, of mankind, when Simeon gets to have this young infant Jesus brought to him at eight days old for his circumcision. Simeon, a devout man, in Luke 2, 28, took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, you are letting your servant depart in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel, you are letting your servant depart in peace. Uh, This letting you depart, it's a word that's like in a military service, one guard comes to relieve another guard and says, You're now dismissed. Uh, you've done your shift. You've done your work. You've kept watch. You've kept us safe. You've guarded. You, you're dismissed. And one takes over in your place. And the Lord is allowing Simeon in his labor and in his, in his, his struggle to now depart in peace. Because his labor's over. He's finished the race. You know, the Lord has brought into our congregation many saints who have faced the departure into the presence of God. And it's hard for us, maybe in our youth, to consider, how is it that I could depart in the kind of peace that I want to? How can I have such stability of mind and heart and soul and thinking when I face those very last moments of my life? The Lord graciously allows us to depart in peace because He has grounded us and positionally made us secure in that peace. And through our lives, He demonstrates the way of peace and guides us in peace and shows us glimpses of that eternal peace and rest and shalom that He has for us in Christ. That peace is a true gift of Christmas. That peace is possible because of what Jesus has done and and the way that that Paul summarizes in First in, in Corinthians fifteen puts together what happened in the garden with Adam the first Adam and, and what happened with Jesus. He says, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead every Sunday, every Lord's Day. That's what we gather to worship. Because Jesus was raised on that first day, we are celebrating Resurrection Sunday every Sunday. And Paul says, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection from the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, each in his order. Christ the firstfruits, then the coming of those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom of God the Father, after destroying every rule, every authority and power. For he must reign till he's put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under His feet. When He says all things are put in subjection, it's plain that He is accepted who put all things in subjection under Him. When all things are subjected to Him, then the Son Himself will also be subjected to Him who put all things in subjection, that God may be all and in all. Jesus, our peace, is going to finally raise us to be with Him And we'll experience that peace forevermore. This true gift of peace will change your life. Can I close with a warning? There is a false peace that the world offers and that some forms of Christianity will, will kind of color and repackage and try to give to you. You know, The snow has always brought out the worst of us when it comes to our fellow man. Having grown up in Buffalo, I got to see and have a lot of experience with snow. And you get a group of young people together, when it snows, something is going to happen. You know a snowball fight is going to break out. Those snowballs will start to form, the sides will start to delineate, and then there they go. They're flying every direction. There's war, there's chaos, the fight ensues, and then what happens? Somebody gets their glasses flown off, and everybody says, Hold on, truce. They gotta find those glasses. Or we we somebody's really hurt. There's blood coming out from a giant slush ball that hit him in the face. We we gotta we gotta pause. Hold on, truce. Peace. But it never, ever holds, right? Because, hey, this is a convenient time to stock up. This is the time where I got to fortify my snowball collection, and then minutes later, boom, it breaks out again. True peace and snow don't go along. There is a, a false peace that the world has to offer for us. Don't be taken in. This time of year particularly, you have to be aware of it. It's kind of a sentimental, idealistic view of peace. It's, it's world peace. It's inner psychological peace. It, it seems genuine in its desire, but it's only surface change. Diplomacy, compromise, financial aid among nations, tolerance, acceptance of sin, and, and terms for the, the false peace that the world sells in place for relational peace, sometimes it's a purely secular solution that the world sells, but sometimes the deceiver would like to wrap in a veneer of religiosity through false teachers, a kind of spiritual Christian thing to do to have peace. And the world peace among nations won't be real peace without the Prince of Peace to come when He rules Relational peace is, is supernatural, flowing from the cross, and the peace that we've been graciously given in forgiveness, which we can in turn pass on to uh, one another in Christ. This This inner peace that's so sought after in the world, where you have peace with yourself and that you go to your therapist and you you release your negative energy. You practice your good self-care hygiene. You remove toxic people from your life. You meditate, empty yourself, and then you find inner peace. Prosperity teachers will, will, will latch on to this and they'll give you this spiritual sounding veneer, but they still don't deal with the primary battle at the heart level, the positional peace that we can only have through Christ from the Prince of Peace. And when the Prince of Peace comes into our life, it changes everything about us. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we confess that we've been duped time and time again for a peace that is superficial, that's fake and false, and that that seems to satisfy, but, but it's so temporary, so fleeting, so surface level. Lord, we pray that you would give us a deep and abiding peace with you first through Jesus and his cross. Lord, give us faith to believe in you and repentance for our sins so that we could lay hold of the Prince of Peace and to be delivered into Your peace. Lord, I pray that that would so overflow in the lives of every believer that we would be at peace with those who don't deserve our peace because You have given us peace when we didn't deserve it. And so, Lord, would You please give us this true gift of peace through Your Son, Jesus, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.